You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. The six second countdown is so official. (laughs) Okay, so I was thinking about this conversation with you and, you know, I just, I have a very deep love for you. I hardly know you, but I think you are so amazing. Um, And I really, I just respect you so much. And I loved the conversation we had on your show. What was that, like a month ago, six weeks ago? And I was like, damn, I love this guy. So thank you for being here. But I was thinking a lot about the similarities that you and I have from sports. And I've thought about how incredible sports has been in my life and how it's shaped me as a woman and a leader and a partner and all these things. And then I also think about the things that we don't really talk about. And I'm in this interesting place, which we discussed a little bit last time we were on your show about questioning spirituality and kind of all the bullshit that is within it. And I'm in that place now where call it the matrix, call it whatever you want, but it feels like there's this sense of being plugged in. And I have this visual of myself as Kelly Tennant, the athlete and the sports reporter, and then who I am becoming about to get married in two weeks, change my name, like truly become this new iteration of myself. You just finished going through yoga teacher training. I've been watching your evolution and I see so many similarities. So my question within all of that ranting (laughs) is, How do you see yourself unplugging from who you were and releasing yourself from what feels oftentimes, I I think, like chains or being a prisoner of someone else's system? And I look at sports as a system as well. And now becoming the man who you are and sharing the messages you do, which is so vastly different than I think the way you and I both grew up. Hmm. Yeah. It's a big one. <laughs> I was like, where should I start? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just dive in. Yeah. Um, well, Kelly, thank you so much. I feel the same about you. And um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you're my soul sister or something. Yes. Um, you know, this is what we do as human beings. We, we, spend a lot of our lives becoming somebody working really hard to become somebody and in the societal structures that we have around us in this day and age which is sort of celebrity we could call celebrity it's our contemporary mythology you know, celebrities are our gods, our demigods, our goddesses, right or wrong. You know, that's just what they are. That's what they've become. In ancient Greece, we had, you know, Hercules and Zeus and Athena and all of these characters. And now we have celebrities. And so from a young age, I think probably everyone, I'll just speak from my own experience. As a child who was in a very dark environment, chaotic environment, infused with alcoholism and mental health issues and dysfunction, I sought a way out. And I was, and that seeking led me into sports and sports were this incredible outlet 
And I saw, I just finished writing the final, I've, I finally finished the final manuscript of my book, sent it off to my publisher. So I'm, and I was just writing about this. You know, I was writing about how powerful sports were for me because from a very young age, I, I realized and understood the power of physical movement as it interconnects to transcending mental and emotional states. So I use sports and I had this dream when I was a little kid, I saw on the news, the jets and the giants in training camp. And this seed was planted of being a professional athlete. And so in the process of me becoming somebody, I totally immersed myself in this identity of being a football player, a warrior, everything I did, how I carried myself. I was gifted with this body, you know, I was always the biggest kid six foot six 270 pounds as a sophomore in high school and i used it but i also you know i put forth i i took part in all the practices to, to sharpen and hone my skills as an athlete how i thought about myself how i carried myself how i ate um and it was all in alignment with achieving this dream and then one day i became the nfl player you know before that i got all the scholarship offers and that was you know and it's all validating this identity you know it's validating this belief of who you are and what you're about and what the world is about and how we can succeed that was very necessary for me in getting to this place where I'm so, you know, going through the yoga teacher training, even five weeks of 12 hour days doing yoga and learning postures and just pushing myself to the limit, which was beautiful. I'm even more, I'm even different than I was five weeks ago or even our last conversation. And I thought I was pretty surrendered then. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, and I had to go to the top of this mountain of football, achieve this dream of playing in the NFL, get all the money I could have ever asked for, had everything I could have ever possibly desired, wanted, literally had it, you know, the house, the car, the access the excess, the fam, all of it. I had to do that to realize that that wasn't the answer. Like that wasn't the thing that I thought my life was all about, you know, because for so long uh, I spent my whole life thinking when I get there, when I achieve this dream, when I become fully fledged, this gladiator who is endowed with not only the internal aspects of warriorhood, but now externally validated with the money and the success and the achieving this dream. I had to go through all that to realize like, oh, that did, that still didn't fill the hole I was trying to fill. And I'm still not happy and I'm still 
looking for something else and I'm still getting fucking as high as I possibly can and drinking tons of alcohol and still seeking some something else. I'm not being loved the right way. I'm not being loved enough. I'm not, you know, getting X, Y, and Z. Why is this guy getting that contract? Why didn't I get that contract? You know, it was, and so through my football career, through my NFL career specifically, because I was sort of the, the culmination of it all, my body started to break down as a result of my mental and emotional disalignment. And I was humbled. I was completely brought to my knees on that path. You know, my body was totally broken down. I herniated discs in my back that had excruciating sciatic nerve pain and damage down my right leg. My body just wouldn't do what it used to do. Back surgery, shoulder surgery, myriad concussions, torn ligaments all over my body, a body riddled with inflammation. And I left my career after six years. I saw the light. My appendix had just exploded. It was my last year in Chicago. I had to have an emergency appendectomy. Once again, the universe saying, Eb, you know, maybe we're done. (laughs) Maybe we're done here. And me still like, no, man, fuck it. We're going to, we're going to make it. We're going to be glorious. And, uh, I had this, you know, just to concretize that experience. I was sitting in the film room on the bears watching practice. I'm sitting there in, in just immense amounts of pain having taken probably a handful of pills, some Adderall, some anti-inflammatories, and I'm sitting there with a giant dip in my cheek. I'm going, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, what am I doing here now? I'm in so much pain. This coach behind me doesn't give a fuck. You know, God bless him. Of course, on a, on a personal level, he cares about me, sort of, but on a business level, like, if I'm not here, he's going to put another guy in. I'm also thinking at one time in my life, I'm watching myself in this practice rep. I'm going, man, I used to want to kill that guy I was lined up across from, that defensive end. But now, like, I I have none of that left in me. I don't want to do that anymore. And it was really this moment. And, And then I think I had probably like three weeks left of the season. But I remember just thinking, man, there's so many other places I would rather be right now. I didn't even know where that was, but I knew that I wasn't, I didn't belong there anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a couple months later through the, whatever, the evolution of my, of my own process of, you know, coming to terms with that, I was like, yeah, you know, I think I'm done. I had calls from the Falcons and the Bills and they wanted to come and they wanted to fly me out and work me out. And at the time, my wife, daughter, and I had just moved, decided, you know what, we're going to move back to LA. We're going to set up shop. And then if I get a call, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't. And I was at, I was sitting there because we were staying with my in-laws. I'm sitting there at the table and I just gotten off the phone with my agent or an old coach who wanted to fly me in for a workout. And I'm like, man, I can't even go to the airport. I can't even get on that plane. And I just went with that. 
You know, I just trusted that. I knew it was so, there was not a shred. I couldn't even take the flight, you know? And that really started this process of, of surrendering to this thing happening inside of me. I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I say, I don't know what it was, but all I can say is it was me happening. It was God happening within me, showing me the next step as has always been the case throughout my life since I was a little kid and only, you know, five, six years later, I can look back and go, ah, yes, that's what that was because now I'm just in constant contact with that voice vibration, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, but you know, it was really painful. It was like, it started off. It was this roller coaster leaving football. I started off, I was super relieved. And then very quickly, I was like, oh, fuck, what do I do now? You know, what's next? So I started writing. I started writing about my experiences. I started just getting this stuff out of me, telling the truth about my experience. And I wrote this big article for sportsillustrated.com. They had an editorial section that was by athletes for athletes called the cauldron. I don't know if it exists anymore, but it was a pretty cool thing. And I wrote this big article. It got a lot of reach and, uh, you can still find it on medium. I think uh, the title is what does it take to stay in the NFL? And I just talked about my experience as an offensive lineman dealing with injuries, the pill protocols. I talked a little bit about Adderall and cannabis and Wow. Uh, just what my experience was like these soul crushing lows, the exhilarating highs, the, all of it. And I got a ton of feedback from old teammates who were like, Eb, that was so epic. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. I love what you're doing. I got some feedback from like former athletic trainers that were like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, you're selling us down the river. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I was I was like, wow, that says a lot about you, man. Mm -hmm. You know, because at the end of the day, I wasn't throwing anybody under the bus. I was just talking about this system, mm -hmm. you know. And but notice how the guilty parties speak up. <laughs> of course, of course, you know, of course. So that led me into cannabis advocacy. Cannabis had always been a very important part of my recovery process during the NFL. Once again, just following my intuition, I would take these pills. They'd make me feel like shit. I'd wake up in the middle of the night with screaming withdrawal symptoms, knifing sensation, in my gut, cold sweats, chills, my body craving more of these pills that weren't even doing anything for the pain I was in. Whereas I could come home smoke some weed, use some cannabis in the parlance of our civilized time <laughs> with this plant medicine. And, uh, I was like, man, I can smoke this stuff. I can relax. I decompress from this long day of the grind. I feel emotionally de-stressed. I feel physically decompressed. And Meanwhile, I wake up, I get a good night's sleep. I wake up the next day feeling recovered, feeling rejuvenated, feeling like I can grind again. Whereas when I took these pills, it made me feel so horrible and put me in a worse state than I was before I took them. So 
I found myself in cannabis advocacy and all the while just following my intuition, you know, when I took the pills, something was wrong. When I smoked the weed, something felt okay. I felt better. So when I started in, into the cannabis advocacy, I didn't exactly understand all the science behind it. I didn't understand really the history of it. And this was always sort of an underlying, underground current of topic of conversation for the guys in the locker room, even going back to college. And this is like 2005 to 2009. I was at the University of Arizona. And then when I went to into the NFL, it was the same thing. Guys are like, man, why is it? It's, it's such a, it's so lame that this is a banned substance that we have to, you know, be very mindful about how we use it. If we can't even use it. So when I stepped into cannabis advocacy and I went to this first conference in Phoenix, invited by a good friend of mine, my, my big brother, Kyle Turley, who's an all pro offensive tackle and sort of the tip of the spear in this cannabis as medicine for football players and specifically in healing concussions and healing the brain. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I went to this first conference. He invited me. He said, Ed, uh, I think you should come and share your story. And at that time I was in the midst of this realization of, holy shit, I have to wake up every day. I have to create my life. I have to figure out what I'm doing next. I have to make money again, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what to do. I can't write enough articles to pay the bills, you know? So I said, sure. And I went to this conference, I shared my story in front of this audience of like a thousand people who were all cancer survivors or military veterans or the mothers of these children who suffer from these severe seizure disorders, uh, traumatic brain injury survivors, all the, it just ran the gamut. And I was looking out at this crowd, sharing my story. And it was striking to me how much bigger this thing was than than i could have imagined how how important cannabis as medicine is for so many people and from so many different places and paths and all kinds of life stories happening where this plant had been beneficial to them and i share my story intuitively using cannabis to treat my you know my my traumatized body throughout my football career and then kyle turley starts talking next and he starts talking about how our federal government has a patent on cannabinoids as neuroprotectants and antioxidants patent six million six hundred thirty thousand five oh seven and it just fucking blew my mind you know i was like wow so the federal government, the same institution that has demonized and stigmatized this plant has also done the research and the studies to figure out that the chemical compounds, the, can the cannabinoids found in this plant actually help protect the brain from damage and can help the brain heal from damage. And that was one explosion. And then he starts to talk about how Every living creature on the planet has an endocannabinoid system and we create our own endogenous cannabinoids, mirror replicas of the chemical compounds found in the cannabis plant. And our endocannabinoid system is involved in 
our sleep rhythms, our appetite, our mood, how we feel and deal with pain. And it really jettisoned me into this heartfelt need or mission to discover the truths about life and to be a messenger of truth in the world. And that was really the beginning of this process. And then, you know, it all started just kind of unfolding from there, but, and it was all very painful because a lot of people, when I stepped into that, cause it started with this cannabis advocacy, you know, it started with this plant can really help you. It can be an alternative to the opiates. It can be an alternative to all the prescription bullshit that we're just being, you know, bombarded with NFL players on a very extreme level, but even the common American, the common individual man or woman on in this country is just, you know, you go to a doctor's office and it's just give you, give you the pills to numb the pain or give you the pills to deal with one symptom. And then you get all these other symptoms and you got to take more pills. And so it started with cannabis and it just, you know, and to finish that off, you know, as far as my cannabis advocacy or activism role went, I had a lot of people going, Eb, what are you doing? You're totally alienating yourself. You're totally disconnecting yourself from everyone. I felt a lot of shame and a lot of guilt about it, you know, going back to high school and what do my high school coaches think? What do my college coaches think? And meanwhile, coming out of that, the other side, and I've talked to all my coaches now and they're like, Ed, you're fucking right on, man. You know, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of what you've done. It's so powerful what you're doing. And I've better relationships with them now than I ever had. And that I guess is really the, that's the crux of the evolution of self. You know, it's that we think it's, it's going to be really scary. And we have a lot of fear about what that transformation is going to look like. But at the end of the day, if you're willing to just continue following your truth, the people who are supposed to be there with you are going to be there with you and all the rest are going to fall away, you know? And for me, I've just always, it's been a, it's been an ever constant drilling down into what is true, what's true about me. And even the cannabis advocacy thing, you know, because that became very singular in itself where people wanted me to start saying cannabis is the answer. Cannabis saved my life. Cannabis did X, Y, and Z. And I had to step back from that and go, you know what? Cannabis is a great tool that we all have access to and should have access to. But the answer is really in you you are the answer you know and these gifts from the planet from mother earth whether they're plants or whether they're other people or whether it's a modality or whatever it might be they're tools that we can use on the on the path of self-realization in this edition of brands i like to fuck with i want to tell you about my favorite solve salve is it solve or salve and <laughs> I was trying to figure that out. I refuse to go to YouTube to look up how to say solve, salve. I, 
I get really fucking geeked out when I find a new product that actually works because um, <clears throat> from one influencer to another, uh, a lot of the shit that I try out that I am sent, it's trash. It's just pure trash. And so whenever I'm introduced to something, I'm like, oh my God, I actually look forward to using this. I go seek it out in my pantry or in my medicine cabinet. It makes me really stoked. And I get really excited to share it with you because you guys know I'm very fucking picky. <sighs> so I'm so excited about Cured Nutrition. Cured Nutrition. They have so many products. I will tell you about all of them over time. And if you can't wait for me to tell you about all of them, just try them because I have been using everything and I'm obsessed. But I want to tell you about the Solve Salve. <laughs> I hope they don't kill me for how I'm talking about this. But um, I, as you all know, I'm getting married. I think like two days after this podcast comes out. And I have been not bridezilla, but definitely anxious, maybe not eating as much as I should be because that's what happens when I get a little stressed. Um, and I carry a lot of tension in my shoulders, high, like high back area, neck. And God damn, I woke up the other day and I was in so much pain and I was like, fuck, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't want to take Advil. Like, what am I going to rub on this right now to make me feel better? And I was like, boom, Cure just sent me a solve salve. I'm going to try that out. <laughs> so I go and I get this little stick. It looks like a deodorant stick. And I open it up and I'm like, well, this is bomb. So many of the other things that I've ever used to like help with muscle soreness, it's like this goopy, creamy mess. And then it's all over your fingers. And then I get it in my eye because, hi, I'm Kelly. So I take the stick and I rub it into my neck, up into my hairline, my upper shoulders. I mean, everywhere. I kid you not. First of all, the tingling was amazing. Second, gotta love the tingling. Second, it fucking worked so fast. My headache was gone. The tightness released. And I'm thinking, how is this possible? So all that being said, their shit is legit. That is really just what this all comes down to. And I was so excited to share this with you because I'm obsessed with the founders. I'm obsessed with their team. Uh, these people are amazing and everything is top notch, the best of the best. There is no other CBD company on the market better than Cured Nutrition. So if you want to try out some of their products and be English with me now, <laughs> I'm in a weird mood, uh, you can go to curednutrition.com and use the code Kelly T. You'll get 10% off. Um, and we have the link in the show notes and all the things that you can find them. So yay, go get your solve salve. Okay. So I just mentioned I was having a little bit of a difficult time sleeping. I wasn't eating as much, all the things and anxiety creeping up for sure. And we are also starting our fertility journey. As soon as we get back from the wedding, we are starting the whole process. And so I have been really aware of how my anxiety is creeping in, my lack of sleep, and the fact that I'm getting completely off of caffeine for fertility issues. Also because caffeine is like, just, I'm really sensitive to it. So here's the thing. It is so important to me that when I introduce any type of mushroom brand into my life, it has to be sourced from the best place and it has to be really clean. And it also has to help me in a variety of ways. So if that's better sleep, anxiety, um, you know, cellular nutrition, all of those things. And here is what I'm so excited to tell you about everyday dose. 
First of all, their branding is fucking dope. I'm so stoked. They use the best mushrooms that are on the market to source for all of their products. And it's an amazing coffee alternative. So it has a third the amount of caffeine as a cup of coffee. So a bunch of my friends are actually getting off coffee right now too. And I'm really excited because I've been telling them about everyday dose. And I'm like, this is a great way if you're weaning off or if you just want less because it gives you anxiety or jitters, this is an amazing way to get yourself away from caffeine. And it's loaded with functional ingredients, mushrooms, collagen, nootropics. You get great energy, but you don't get those jitters or anxiety. I know a lot of people struggle from that. And then the mushrooms. So good for your immune system. I don't have to tell you what kind of fucking world we live in right now, but if you want to support your immune system, this is an amazing way to do it. So it's kind of like a lighter roast of coffee with a little bit of a chocolate spin to it. So you're not going to taste those mushrooms and you can blend it. I've had a lot of friends actually blend this with different things. Um, You can make it with oat milk. You can do it iced, hot, whatever. I've been actually mixing mine with Organifi, which I really like. I've been doing the chocolate Organifi in the everyday dose. So I'm getting like loads and loads of goodness in one cup. So however you want to make it, it tastes great. Um, Just blend it up and you'll get your everyday dose. So if you want to try it out, you can go to everydaydose.com. That's everydaydose.com. Use the code Kelly T and oh my fucking God. You're going to get 20% off their already discounted starter kit. So you're getting 55% off your first order. There's no risk. If you don't like it, you get your money back. But like, not kidding. This stuff is the best, the best, the best. Enjoy it. You brought up the word void. And I think it's a really interesting concept that we are innately scared of because the void feels like, well, who am I? Maybe it's an identity crisis. Maybe it's not having answers. Maybe it's just having actual time and space for ourselves. And that can be really scary for people, you know, for people like us who have had coaches and trainers our whole lives telling us where to go, what to do. And we're on a very strict schedule and we have to take care of our bodies so we can perform and blah, blah, blah all of a sudden you have all this time and space and you're twiddling your thumbs and you're like, well, fuck, like, what is, what do I do with this? What does this version of me look like? And what I have come to understand now, what has it been? I mean, 14 years since I stopped playing volleyball and I've had ebbs and flows of no pun intended of, you know, time and space. (laughs) That's never sounded so cool except for when I'm with you. Um, his show is called ebb and flow guys. Um, I've had these, these moments of time and space. And I've learned that it is in the void that the magic happens for me, that I get all the answers, the downloads, the awareness. So the void of being in football and knowing it's time to leave and then the void after, and I'm sure there's been many moments of that since then. And then yoga teacher training, which opens up this whole new aspect of you. What does that void look like? And how do you embrace it differently now than maybe you did before? Mm. I mean, before it was just, it was terrifying. You know, like you said, it was absolutely, I mean, there was a, you know, in my NFL career, or my football career. It's interesting because I think every single guy 
I don't know if this is true in other sports. I mean, you can speak to this from the perspective of volleyball player, but in football, it's such a grind that guys are fantasizing about their last day on the football field from very early on, you know, like in high school, I was like, one day I won't do this anymore, but that seems so far off. God, I've never heard anyone say that before. Except maybe yeah. in the Dodgers clubhouse when the guys are like, this is fucking boring and stupid. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so, and you're just in so much pain and mm. you're constantly overriding your body's natural pain mechanisms. You're taping it up. You're popping the pills. You're fucking, you know, gritting your teeth and getting back out there to do it again. And so every guy is, has these, these sort of, the ebbs and flows of this thought of like one day I can't wait till I'm fucking done, you know? And that light at the end of the tunnel is just so far off that you don't ever really, you don't think about it until all of a sudden, like for me, I was sitting there in the film room and it was like, I was at the end of the tunnel, you know, and the light from outside is just beaming in on. And I knew I was done. So there was some excitement and there was some relief in that. But then, of course, you know, the new void of making that decision and stepping into this world of, okay, I'm not going to be the football player anymore. And then as soon as I step outside into that light, I get the question, man, why are you done playing? You're so young. You should keep playing. I'm like, the shame and the guilt and all this shit comes pouring down on me and my own you know, my younger self speaks up and it's like, remember, we thought we wanted to play 10 years, Eb. We only played six. We wanted to play 10 years. <laughs> you know, and, and that's a whole process in itself. Um, and for me, it's always been a mental game, you know, because my mind wants to jump in and figure it out and fix it and make it right. And say, or do the fear fantasy spiral into we're fucked. This is no good. We made the wrong decision. We made the wrong turn. What are we going to do now? It's totally fucked. And inevitably, in that time and space, call it 2015, you know, fall of 2015, my first year out of football where all of these things are starting to percolate these like anxieties about the future. And inevitably I just kept breathing and following whatever came next and taking whatever opportunity came to me. And it wasn't always, you know, I'm a true believer in everything happens for a reason. And the universe never brings you anything that isn't put there to either help you grow or improve or expand. And I did this, this whole thing came to me like after through yoga training, actually, that there are no problems. There are only opportunities and it's true. You know, it's so true and it's all just a trick of the mind. So for me now, when I'm faced with this void, like right now I'm faced, uh, I'm, I'm in this void again where I came out of yoga training and I thought the ebb and flow is the thing. 
I'm going to be a fucking, you know, whatever, a messenger of the truth via my podcast, my books. Uh, and then I'm going to be, you know, working with people. But then coming out of yoga training, like that gets even distilled down even more. Like, what are we really doing here, man? The fuck are we really doing? And the only thing that I know how to do that works consistently is to get quiet, get still, stop fucking thinking about it. And the thing inevitably comes up, whatever it is, you know? the answer, the, the next step, um, the next hit of inspiration, um, the, the, the compulsion to do the next thing, you know, whatever that might be. And, uh, you know, for me right now, tomorrow I go to Austin, I'm teaching yoga and breath work at this wellness immersion weekend which i'm really stoked about with my buddy uh joe di stefano and ben greenfield and these fucking pretty rad people and they're doing ice tubs and you know uh nad vitamin drips and hyperbaric chambers and dope kettlebell workouts and all kinds of breath work and good stuff and i'm stoked about it you know because i'm going to get to go and work face to face with like 40 to 50 people in this thing that I truly love. And something that was really powerful about the yoga training for me, you know, I've been doing yoga since I was like 12, maybe even younger. My, my mom moved my brother and I to LA from Brooklyn when I was 10. And that was heartbreaking. That was soul crushing for me. Uh, I felt at that time like I was being ripped away from everything I loved, everyone I knew, and I was being dropped in this place. And pretty soon after that move, mom started taking us to yoga classes. And it was such a blessing. And it's been such a blessing in my life. And it was so, you know, completing the yoga teacher training, there was something in me that was like, this is so obvious, Ed. Like, this is who you are. It's almost so obvious that I wanted to uh, dismiss it as not being important. Mm -hmm. But it was so obvious in my life path in expanding me and who I am and what I'm doing. And I start reading about the origins of, we'll call it Bikram just to start, uh, formerly known as Bikram. It's a tremendous, it's the 26 and two hot yoga practice. Um, and you know, you can watch the documentary. You can find out all about Bikram and the shit he's done. And he's kind of a, he was a, you know, complete narcissistic asshole, but he was also did a really incredible thing by bringing this practice into America and bringing this, this, this practice to the mainstream ethos of the western culture but what's more incredible about it is where he got it from and he learned from this guy bishnu ghosh bishnu ghosh was the brother of paramahansa yogananda pretty awesome i mean yogananda mystic autobiography of a yogi the ultimate yogi and bishnu ghosh in his own right was the ultimate hatha yogi 
his path really went through the physical body, which really resonates with me. He started this place in India called Gosha's College of Yoga or Gosha's Yoga College. And what I learned about, and you can look pictures, these guys are fucking unbelievable. They come from this bodybuilder background. They were really athletes who created this sequence of postures as a addendum or to augment their physical weightlifting practices to help realign the skeleton, to help heal damaged tissue. And the more I learned about Bishnu Ghosh, he was, he's, his whole thing at the, at the Ghosh's yoga college is about cultivating this thing called what he called physical culture, how to move, how to breathe, how to eat, how to think meditation, all of these things. And I'm reading about this and I'm going, Ed, this is the fucking ebb and flow. Like, this is why you're here. You know, you came here because you had to understand that this, this ancient thing is, it's time for you to bring it through your lens, through this other sort of mechanism, this other prism known as ebon into the world in 2021. And so it was really powerful because that's really what my whole life has been about. It's been about self-realization through the body and a lot of the sort of, you know, you talk to a lot of the, the sort of OG yoga people, the guys who have done any of them, I mean, all these guys, and they sort of turn their nose up at, at the asanas, the physical practice, because they're all about meditation and classical yoga was actually just meditation, breath work, contemplation, and it had one posture, which was savasana, corpse pose. And then through the necessity of the times, dealing with a lot of mental illness, Hatha yoga was born in which you get yourself into these postures, which activates and ignites all sorts of processes. It tones the vagus nerve, which is connected to all your vital organs and connects it all to the brain. And it releases the psoas and does all of these things. And there's 95% of our happiness hormones, serotonin, dopamine, tryptophan, all created in the gut gray matter of the gut. And so when you're getting yourself into these postures, it's activating and igniting all of these natural hormonal responses that give us this sense of well-being. So the asanas and the hatha yoga practice is super critical for anyone who has been emotionally traumatized or physically traumatized throughout their life in order to rebalance themselves. So it was really powerful for me in realizing sort of the bigger picture of what I'm really interested in, you know, which is helping people just fucking get back to balance, helping people optimize themselves so that they can be the greatest version of themselves. And I believe that doing that through the physical body is one of the most accessible ways that we can do that especially today in contemporary America where, you know, I mean, we're, we're bombarded with nonsense. 
happens, information. There's too much information. You know, I saw this great thing. This guy, Garrett Kramer, who is pretty radical and awesome. And he said this thing, he was like, if you're looking for the answer in more data, statistics, and other things, it's not going to be there, you know? And no matter what, we've seen it throughout this whole thing with COVID. You can take any piece of data, any piece of statistics, analytics, whatever you want, and you can argue it both ways about whether COVID is nonsense or whether COVID we should be fucking completely locked down and, you know, not breathing and masked and vaxxed and all this shit. And at the end of the day, it's like, what does your intuition say? What does your gut say? And we need to get, if we can, get out of the mind and into the heart. If not, at least quiet the mind and get into the heart. Because that's the only way that we're going to come to any semblance of truth moving forward. In case you were wondering, I'm a beverage bitch. Not that you didn't already know that, but here we are. This is how I get to know myself. I'm like, who do I read ads for? What products do I like? Um, <laughs> Y'all know about Element. We are so excited because we had a few companies that we got to partner with for wedding festivities to be able to give all of our guests some dope gifts. I love gift giving. If you've listened to the show for a couple years now, you know that I'm like fucking Santa Claus. I love sending people presents. I love gifting people things that I get gifted all the time because let's be real. I am a quote unquote influencer and people send me shit. I want you guys to be able to benefit from it and have it as well. So I'm so excited because all of the guests at the wedding are getting a ton of element. We're going to have it stationed at the bar. It's going to be all over the table um, because we really want people to stay hydrated. It's really hot in Texas right now still. And I'm going to be dancing my fucking face off. So you best believe I'm going to be drinking element the night of the wedding. It's just incredible at replenishing your body, giving you electrolytes. If you're drinking, if you're dancing, if you're up late, if you're not eating as much, if you're stressed out, you name it. Element is incredible for that. So if you guys haven't tried it out yet, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Go to drinkelement.com. That's drinkelement.com slash Kelly T. Get an eight pack sampler of Element for five bucks if you live in the U.S. That's just shipping. Stay hydrated. Okay, last thing I want to tell you, this is a PSA to all of my basic bitches um, who are obsessed with Organifi Chocolate Gold because that bitch is coming back. I'm so excited. Um, I think it's the 19th. We're doing a pre-sale. So if you're on my email list, yay, you're going to hear about that the day of because we're going to let you know, go buy right now because Chocolate Gold is back and we have a really fucking dope offering for you. But if you're not on my email list, you're lame. Just kidding. Um, if you're not on my email list, just mark this date down, October 19th. It is back. Um, I'm doing a special pre-sale. So there's only a few of us that are able to get access for our listeners and you guys will have that access. Um, but here's the thing. Chocolate gold is just my favorite thing in the whole world. And I drink it once a day, morning, noon, and night. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. And now it's getting cold here. So I'm so excited to just like have that as my evening little ritual and get my chocolate fix without a ton of sugar. But truly, it helps so much with recovery and sleep. And I'm someone who likes to snack after dinner while I'm binging Netflix with Connor. And this keeps me from eating all the crap. And I get so much goodness for my body. And it just tastes so good. You can try out Organifi Chocolate Gold in 
God, a couple days, I guess, after this episode comes out. So go to Organifi.com slash Kelly T. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Kelly T. And you will get 20% off. You're welcome. Okay, I want to stop you there because I have a question then. This mm-hmm. is what I've been kind of <laughs> wrangling with. I don't even know. So my intuition, I'll just use me, says I'm not getting vaccinated, that it's not the right choice for me. And I feel that very deeply. And I have this knowing in my body and I know what it feels like. And I'm very attuned to that. Mm. Someone who says, I am listening to my intuition and it tells me that I need to get the vaccine and that that's the right choice for me. Mm. How do I tell them that they're not listening to their intuition? How do they tell me that I'm not listening to my intuition? And how do we actually get to a point where we even know what our intuition is versus what fear or ego is telling us to do? Mm. Well, see, the only thing that I can say to that is that we only find out the answers when we're on the field playing the game, you know? And so whether it's fear or ego compelling you one way or the other, this is the, this is the, the realization I had about all of this, Kelly, is that at the end of the day, because you're so right, people are going off of their intuitive belief, their intuitive sense of what to do next. So in the name of, we know it doesn't serve anyone or any higher good good to tell someone that their intuitive sense is incorrect. All we can do, vaxxed or not vaxxed or masked or unmasked, all we can do is have compassion for whoever you think is on the other side of the line. Because the, the, the game of pointing the finger doesn't work. You know, essentially this very... I was going to say simple, but it's not simple. You know, this very personal thing has become politicized and weaponized once again to divide us. So now we've got, you know, blue and red. We've got pro-life, pro-choice. We've got pro-gun, you know, against guns. We've got vaxxed and unvaxxed. We've got all of these things. We've got, you know, racism and... uh the gender wars and all these identification politics that are not serving us and getting to the next step. So it's like, Hey man, if that's what you want to do, I totally respect you. I hope. And my prayer is that you can respect me and then we can move on Mm -hmm. because the only thing that seems to me to be a complete abomination in this whole thing are any of these mandates and these governmental restrictions and policies that are being just willy-nilly thrown around and because to me there's nothing more america was founded on the principle of complete freedom you know that's what this country is a beacon of whether that was 
whether it's been perfect or not throughout. And it hasn't, we know it hasn't, but there's no other place in the history of the world. Perhaps I don't know enough about this, but perhaps Atlantis, I don't know, maybe even not then maybe ancient Rome, but then not then because all of these civilizations have all fallen as a result of ego and identity politics, essentially, which drives people to further the divide and drive the wedge in between families and friends and, you know, races and all kinds of things. So at the end of the day, like the only thing that we really have at this stage is to love one another and fucking find compassion, you know, and that's really difficult in an atmosphere where people are screaming at the top of their lungs, their righteousness and what's correct and what's not on either side, you know? So that's my, that's my sense of that. You know, I've done the, I've gone down the road of trying to preach my beliefs on people, family included. And what I've realized time and time again, people are going to do what they're going to do. And there's no stopping that, you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, I'm not living in 16th century, uh, you know, Northern Europe in a, in a hut in the countryside where I can like keep my family tucked in this little hovel and say, this is what's right. And basically I'm God and listen to this and this is the doctrine and all that. I can't do that, you know, and, and for many reasons. Um, and I mean, just even then it didn't work because, you know, then you're creating all of this other trauma through that Mm -hmm. you're, you're becoming the tyrant, you know? And, and if we, if we've learned anything, you know, fire doesn't squelch fire, you know, and tyranny can't, you know, it's the whole thing with cancel culture. I mean, in the in the act of of ridding of trying to rid the world of evil we ourselves become the tyrants you know and it's just that that path doesn't it just doesn't work it doesn't serve anyone unfortunately and that comes back to wanting to save everybody for me same you know and um you can't save anybody all we can do is love each other really because that's the only thing that like really changes anything and i've seen that for myself firsthand you know and when you become a beacon of light light is truly awareness you know when you break it down the light is you shine a light in the darkness and metaphysically that's just awareness bringing awareness bringing light to something so when you become a beacon of light and love and you know this sounds like all of that fucking spiritual (laughs) shit that we talk that we like spiritual bullshit that we gave up on six weeks ago on our last talk (laughs) yeah yeah but whatever that is it's just unconditional acceptance Mm -hmm. And even if we are not being accepted or we are not being loved, we must 
we fucking must it's a dire need it's a necessity right now that we those who have the strength to do it carry that torch of of light and love and acceptance and compassion Mm -hmm. so i agree with you wholeheartedly and you're one of the most self-aware people i've ever talked to and i really respect you for that because i i have some idea of what goes into that and you do a really amazing job of asking yourself better questions and that's really been kind of my mantra for the last year and a half or so on my show is we have to ask ourselves better questions. We have to be willing to be radically honest and uncomfortable. That's where the Mm. growth and the awareness is. And everything you're talking about and this willingness to hold the light, be the light for everyone around you. I love that concept. And I want to know how you've gotten to a point where you're so solid in asking yourself better questions and you're willing to go there and open up to whatever those answers are, good, bad, ugly, and all the in-between. Mm. You know, it's, uh, I'm very blessed because I come from a family that has, this has changed significantly throughout my lifetime, but Many years ago, much of my family was mired in self-loathing and depression and doubt and severe reluctance to accept love. And everything is a battle. And of course, that all got programmed into me as a little kid led me to football led me through to all my things so much of my much of my life has been about ridding myself of that of that self-loathing of that doubt of that unworthiness and i'm still still doing it you know still through yoga through the yoga training i was like oh my god like holy shit dude i'm a fixer i'm a fucking you know like i need to fix things i need to make it okay i and it really comes down to if you're stuck you know there are wonderful tools for getting yourself unstuck there are plant medicine ceremonies, ayahuasca, the toad, psilocybin, DMT, LSD, all those good things. They're all of those for people who are really stuck. And and I would say that before my experience with any of those substances, I didn't even really know what it was, where it was I was going, you know, because I was still so caught in this identity of ebb and and latching on to things you know and even as i healed myself i still found myself pointing fingers to blame others for my circumstances or whatever it might have been and <laughs> and uh the process just continued you know i heal myself 
and then other things emerge and I heal myself and other things emerge and meditation. Let's talk about the other tools that I use to constantly bring myself back to the center place, yoga, meditation, plant medicine, breath work, eating right is a big thing for me. Eating clean, putting good food in this body, because the moment I put shit in this thing, my brain gets foggy. I go into that dark place. I can't think the way I know I'm capable of. Pro problems emerge rather than seeing these, these challenges as opportunities. So these are all tools that I utilize every day. You know, this isn't like a one and done. You don't go to the ayahuasca ceremony and you emerge fucking Gandhi, you know? And I mean, I did, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, you know, fasting is another one to speak of Gandhi. You know, when it really comes down to a constant, this realization that the answer lies in pushing myself to the edge, getting uncomfortable, getting comfortable in the uncomfortable. And that translates to literally every moment of life. You know, you have, you find yourself with a person, maybe it's with your intimate partner in your relationship. And there's a conversation that needs to be had. And you're feeling that thing of like, fuck, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to have this conversation. Because then I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to see that maybe you're right. I'm going to see that maybe I'm wrong. And I just don't want to do that. And then all of a sudden one day, you're like, you know what? We're going to have this conversation. And I'm going to take myself out of it. I'm not going to take it personally. I'm going to be willing to be wrong. I'm going to be willing to say, you know what? As much as I think this is all your fault, and if you did X, Y, and Z, my life would be so much better. You have, like, I had the realization with my wife where I found myself in that position. And that's, you know, that, that up until probably about six months ago, that was, that could have happened all the time, you know, finding myself in a place where I'm, I'm blaming my wife for some perceived circumstance or mental state I was in. And then I go, man, you know what? You're giving that person so much fucking power. First of all, that they dictate your mental well-being, your emotional well-being. And it's all because you're fixated in your righteousness about making them the reason, making them the wrong person. And I said, you know what? Fuck that. I can't do that anymore. And it was through like a really heavy, vicious conversation fight we had where all of a sudden I just, I expressed what I needed and we all burst into tears. My wife and I burst into tears, hugged, and I've never really gone back. That was about six, eight months ago. And, uh, we do that all the time. You know, we do that all the time. And it really comes down to taking total accountability, total responsibility for yourself which a lot of people don't want to do. Yeah. You know, for me, 
I was just listening to this really have you have you heard this um revolutionary reality podcast Brian no. Scott do I need to listen yeah I'll email this episode to you it, it's he's 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 I listened to one episode and uh it was this uh channeling from Pleiadians oh <laughs> yes this is my language and uh, yeah and for many reasons, going back to my my ancient grandmother, Mary Bliss Parsons, who was my first American ancestor who came to America in 1640. She was a witch and on trial for witchcraft three times. And uh, oh my she God. wrote, yeah, there are, she's incredible. And there's all these books written about her and and these diaries collected from her. And she was talking about all this shit that's happening like right now. And one of the things she talks about is that we were descended from Pleiadians. And I was like, wow, that's so trippy. And uh, so, and you know, the Pleiadian stuff, it sort of like comes in and out. And I'm, I just like popped this episode on and he starts talking. It was so weird. I'm listening to this. And he starts talking about being allergic to cats. And he kind of laughs he he's reading this like channeling that came through that he found but it was so fucking right on like you're listening to it and you're just like this is true i don't know why but this is so true <laughs> but he's talking about cats and how cats are like the remnants of this ancient alien species that came to earth and they're like cats are like radio receivers to dis dis disseminate uh, transmissions of information and we're living in this the planet earth is like this and the universe is this living library and human beings are the keys to accessing it and it's through the through through our indoctrination and our culturation and how we're brought up that we just get tuned off to this information but he starts talking about cats and he's like if you're allergic to cats i've been allergic to cats since i was as far back as i can remember i can remember i was like three or four and we got this new cat and it was sleeping in bed with me and i woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't breathe and my dad had to run through rain in brooklyn to get me a inhaler oh my god and um and uh he said <laughs> this channeling says that if you're allergic to cats it's because you have this your soul has this deep seated reluctance to accept love and i was like yeah yeah that's it you know that's me because i've been interested i heard andrew Weil talking about allergies like we don't really understand allergies mm -hmm. and andrew Weil was talking about how he had always been allergic to cats and he was on this lsd trip with a bunch of friends and a cat jumped in his lap and he started petting the cat while he was on lsd and all of a sudden he realized he wasn't allergic to the cat and for the rest of his life, he's never been allergic to cats. <laughs> so he was saying how it's like this sort of, it's this metaphysical mechanism that happens that triggers these allergies and, and scientists, you know, scientists don't even really understand what allergies are all about. Yes. Our bodies produce these histamines and have this response to certain environmental factors, but what is that caused by? So this idea of being, uh, reluctant to accept love. It really, it hit me right in the fucking heart. Cause through the yoga training, I was like, this is a thing for me. 
and allows me that self-love, that self-compassion, that compassion for self that I just cultivate moment by moment. And it doesn't look good all the time, you know, man, then I can have compassion for the people walking down the street strapped with their fear mask. You know, it's like, I get it. I get it. I see you. It's okay. Or whatever it might be, people screaming on social media. Like, I really don't want to do this social media shit anymore. I'm with you. I want to find, I, want to find, I, I need somebody. I got this guy. He's running the ebb and flow Instagram. I need somebody to run my Instagram. Because when I step out into the world, I don't see what's happening in social media. You know, I see, even in Los Angeles, where shit is really fucking weird, because we're run by some really fucking corrupt politicians. Even in this place, I step outside and I see a lot of people who just want to connect, who just want to be seen, who just want to be loved and who want to be heard, you know? And that's to me, it's like, it just keeps coming back to that because that's the only way that we, that we come together. Yeah. You know, it's the only way. Yeah. Well, we can boycott social media together. I'm with you. Um, I could talk to you for a million hours. You already know this. <laughs> uh, I just want to, I just want to thank you. I, I just, I, I find myself falling into a trance when you talk, you, you're just so interesting and it's so nice to, you know, I surround myself with a lot of women. Connor is one of the only guys that I, I have around and it's just, it's so nice to have a different type of energy in my life and on the show. And I know, um, my community is gonna be so excited to hear from you. Um, but I just, I really appreciate the way you storytell and, and the way you share yourself. It's, it's pretty remarkable. And I learned so much when you speak. So thank you for, for being with me, Ed. Oh man. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate you a lot. And Hey, we can do this anytime. Great. Booking yeah, you again. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> thank you.